Mecca podcast to my immediate right. I have somebody that he's going to introduce himself because he's probably one of the least most famous, but famous NBA basketball players out of New York City. That's a good description. I never, I just made that shit up. <laughs> <laughs> introduce yourself to the to, to our um, constituents. I'm Royal Ivy. Um, originally from, um, well, I'm from Hollis, New York. Um, went to Cardoza High School, Blair Academy, uh, and the University of Texas, and um, played in the NBA for 10 years, and now I'm assistant coach with the New York Knickerbockers. So, that, how? How did you, how did you, because you, you were at Cardoza, we're just going to go to high school years all the way up. Cardoza, you killed at Cardoza, and you played for the legendary Ron Clario. How was that experience? It was a great experience, and people don't know my, my background. I, I actually went to um, Jackson, my, my zone high school. And my Granby? Mom, yep. And uh -huh. my mom didn't want me to go to that, that high school because, you know. Jackson. Just Jackson, <laughs> yeah. It, was, it wasn't the greatest school. So um, I had an audition to get in Cardoza through dance. Uh -huh. And, you know, um, I got in through the dance program, Mr. Vore. Um and I wasn't going to play basketball, I was going to play baseball. Uh -huh. And I ended up trying out for the team my uh -huh. freshman year, and I got cut, uh, like, second to last cuts. My for varsity, so they sent you to JV? Varsity, yeah, I got yeah. cut for the varsity team. JV team, I didn't even play because I, I failed off. My, uh -huh. my grades weren't good enough. Uh -huh. And then sophomore year, I made the team. Uh -huh. I didn't really play much. I was on the team, you know, playing garbage minutes. Uh -huh. And then my junior year, Kind of, I, I grew a little bit, and uh, I played, you know, and you know, we had a pretty good team. Brian Wilbert, mm -hmm. 20, a.k.a. 20, you know, he was the the lead player, mm -hmm. you know, and um, he actually went went down with ACL, so that actually allowed me to kind of um, be featured. Mm -hmm. And I just stepped in and just do what I do. Like, mm -hmm. I'm known for playing defense, mm -hmm. and that's what I hang my hat on. So that got me into the door to a lot of doors, mm -hmm. you know. And then I went to prep school at Blair Academy. Blair, New Jersey. They had like a little history there also of NBA players. Yeah, so Luol Deng, um, we came in the same year. He was a freshman. I was a post-grad. Mm -hmm. I was a young um, senior. I just turned 17. So I did a post-grad year. And I had my SAT. I did a post-grad year. And um, <clears throat> that was a great year, mm -hmm. you know. We didn't win the whole... Maple League championship, but you know we went far. Mm -hmm. Had a first winning season for Blair, and um, I got an opportunity to go to Texas. Mm -hmm. And who was your coach at Barnes? Yeah, Rick Barnes. So it, it was a weird story. I was supposed to go to Northwestern, but I didn't get in. My SAT wasn't high enough. So Kevin O'Neill was recruiting me, and I, I jumped to the you know the fact that it was a Big Ten school, yeah. power power conference, power mm -hmm. five. So I felt like I could play at that level, mm -hmm. you know. So I took my, I took, I bet it on myself. Kevin O'Neill, uh, he actually started upstate New York coaching, and he was, he was, uh, he's, 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 he was a maniac. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you said it. You have more clout to say than I can, but he was, he was a little weird at times because he went hard. Like, yeah, but he knew his ish though. He knew his ish. No, nah, he definitely knew. He was. I, I liked him because he was a basketball. You know, he was a basketball head, and mm -hmm. he definitely was good with his X's and O's, but I guess his demeanor was a little bit different. Yeah. He was a little hothead, but I'm, I'm not far into that because I play for the So, <laughs> right. 
right. seen it all. You <laughs> right. know, dealing with you know guys like that, mm-hmm. but. You know, going to Blair helped me prepare. It prepared me for college. You know, just the setting, being in the prep school, mm-hmm. and then coaching with a former college coach, uh, Joe Montagna. Joe, Joe, right. Yeah. So you know that now Blair's a powerhouse. Right. You know, we got four NBA guys from Blair. You know, so that that's pretty astonishing. That you know, I was one of the founding fathers at Blair Academy. You, Charlie, doing the waiver. Wall Day and Mario Shayek from uh, Virginia. Really? UVA. He, tra- he transferred from UVA and he went to Iowa State and he just got drafted this year. He was like the 54th pick for the Philadelphia. Oh, right. I didn't know that one. I know, I know the, the, the top three. He's from, he's from uh, Toronto. He's a younger guy. He just got drafted. Okay. So, so then after Blair, then you get you at Texas. You did what? Uh, four, I did all four, all four years. All four years there, right? All four years. Um, how was that experience? It was a great experience playing the backcourt with TJ Four for two years. Yeah. Um, went to the Final Four, you know, had some big time battles with, you know, Tony Allen at mm-hmm. Oklahoma oh, State. Yeah. Um, Jamal Tinsley at Iowa State. I was a freshman. Jamal was a senior. Did you play against um Shane Gatson? He was at Oklahoma. Shane Gatson was at Oklahoma oh, State. Yep. 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 Played against Shane Gatson. Um just it was a you know great situation for me. I just never knew like you know playing at that level how I would impact it, and I did because to me I, I won at every level uh-huh. from high school to college, you know even the pros. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of guys go for accolades, but I'm I'm a bona fide winner. Mm-hmm. You know at the end of the day, like I know how to impact winning. It's not just about numbers. You right. know I know how to motivate and grab that momentum from my teammates, you know, and that synergy is everything, you know, moving forward. I agree. So you, uh, when I, watching you play throughout, cause I'm, again, one of my best friends is Tali, and he was in that same era. And I, we watched you and he said, yo, he makes wing plays, uh, particularly on the defensive end. And you mentioned earlier, you hang your hat on that. Would you say that you're the precursor to Pat Beverly? Well, that's, that's funny because Somebody, somebody kind of mentioned one of my coaches on my coaching staff said, you, you remind me similar of you could be a Pat Bev. Uh-huh. Yeah, because uh-huh. I would say, you know, that mentality, 94 feet, hanging your head on, you know, hanging your hat on defense. Mm-hmm. And that was my niche. Mm-hmm. And like the NBA has changed. It's, it's you know, you can't really touch right, guys. Right, right, it's right, it's right. not a lot of physicality. Right. right. And when I was playing, it was all about physicality, and that's how I got on the court uh-huh. because I would run through a wall. I was physical. I, you know, I sacrificed my body. I didn't care. Like uh-huh. when Hakeem Warwick dunked on me in, in in the final four, like everybody clowns me. You know, this, they made a slam up and this and that, but I'm trying to win a national championship, mm-hmm. so I was willing to do whatever it took. So at the end of the day, like, you know, I kind of. Look at my 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 game as you know a precursor to Pat mm-hmm. Bev because he's a dog and a dog. I, I kind of consider myself a dog because if I didn't have that mentality I wouldn't have made it. I don't remember you going in under any screens. Nah, you would run through the screen or get over. <laughs> over yeah, yeah, I never remember. And a lot of t- <laughs> I never seen you go over uh, on the screen. Yeah, a lot of the times I would run in the screens and just just die because uh-huh. they would give you the call. Uh-huh. A lot of guys were afraid that you know get skinny and try uh-huh. to get over the screens and just blow up screens. And uh-huh. nowadays, it's hard to teach that, you yeah. know, because guys 
they don't want to stay attached to the body. They don't want to get over, and they don't want to get hit. Right, right. So, and yeah. I would just run into screens or get over. Or we call them stickums. Uh -huh. Now you got to be a stickum guy. So yeah, so I mean, I was I was willing to just sacrifice my body, and mm -hmm. that's, that's what it's about. So when you were at at Doge, Cardoza, Blair, and then you left, you went to Texas. Did you think coaching would be in your in 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 your um your future? Um. I had leadership qualities, but never like, you know, because you don't see the end of the tunnel right. at, at your career. So in the moment, no. Mm -hmm. But later, you know, I coached in the top um, 100 camp, NBA top 100 camp mm -hmm. they have in um, Charlottesville, Virginia at mm -hmm. UVA. And it was funny because I got a chance to coach um, Devin Booker, mm -hmm. Tyler Eulis, who were my team. We actually went undefeated. And then in those moments, I was still a player. I was like, I kind of take an affinity to, to coaching, mm -hmm. you know, just giving these guys direction, motivating them, um, just encouraging them, empowering them, and just, you know, at the end of the day, like, being that, that not a father figure, but being that that rock for mm -hmm. them. So when they, you know, they look they, they look for guidance. Right, these right. guys want guidance right. on and off the court. So, you know, as a player, no, but like later in my career, I was like, maybe I, I should do this because I come from a lineage of teacher. My mom was a teacher. Uh -huh. You know, my grandmother was a teacher. And at the end of the day, like that's in my bloodline. Mm -hmm. So coaching is just an extension of teaching. It's just basketball yeah, subject. Just teaching basketball. Yep. So unranked. What were you ranked coming out of high school? I wasn't ranked. I, I got on Nate Blue about that because he posted up <laughs> something about the rankings. In New York City, I think I was ranked like 37th in the senior class uh -huh. going into my senior, senior year, and I might I might have finished like top 14 or 15. Okay. So Kenny Sat was the number one guy. Mm -hmm. McDonald's All American, um, Majestic Matt, mm -hmm. you know Dwayne Woodward. Mm -hmm. I mean, excuse me, right, Brian right. Woodward was he went to UI. Um, so it was it was a couple guys in front of me: Greg Morton, um, Mark McCarroll. Mm -hmm. was a, you know so. I wasn't really big into like just the hype, man. I just put my head down okay. and just work. Which is great because then you went to Texas and you were drafted second <clears throat> excuse me, second round, correct? Second round of thirty seventh pick. You did ten years in the league. I wasn't even supposed to get drafted though, that's the thing. Because I wasn't on any draft boards. You know, I'm an overachieving in life and I, that and that's what the mentality that I just take moving forward because nothing was given to me. Right. I had to go and take. So at the end of the day, like, that's just how I just, I model my life after that. Like, you know, you got to put in the work, but at the end of the day, I take nothing for granted, you mm -hmm. know, and I'm humbled by by each situation because you the proof is in the pudding. You got to put out the work. Like, it's not about the talk. It's not about the accolades. It's about what you do and how you grow as a person. Right. So I always, you know, learn that, you know, I'm, I'm trying to have a growth mindset. You know, I'm trying to be open to everything, mm -hmm. but I'm trying to embrace my challenges. Mm -hmm. and my life is a challenge, just like anybody else is a challenge. We have adversities. I've been waived. I've been traded. I had to make teams. I had people say I wasn't good enough. Uh -huh. I shouldn't have been playing, and I just had to prove myself. And I got to a point where I didn't care what people said. Oh, he can't score. He can't do this. But I could defend. Yeah, lock up. And that's what kept me around. And then I, 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 I kind of, I manicured my career where I can make a corner three, mm -hmm. where I was solid enough, where I didn't turn over the ball. 
Like I'm two, I'm number two in the Texas books. Assist to turnover ratio. What is it like four? Three to one, three point two to one, and I'm still there. You know what I'm saying? Because I value the ball, mm-hmm. so I knew my niche and I played to my my strengths. Would you say that your 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 mentality is New York, New York? For sure, I'm I'm New York all day. I'm not I'm not the flashy New York. I'm right. I'm I'm the gutter New York. The grit, I, the grit right? Because I didn't. It was no hype around me. Uh-huh. I just put my head down and I continue to work. And it's, it's the grit where, where we come from. Right. Like, you know, like the playground, like everybody wants to be the flashy handles, get to the cup, shake people. I wasn't that. I was one-on-one, mono mono. Uh-huh. I'm, in, I'm, in your, I'm in your pants. Uh-huh. And I'm, I'm a guard. I'm going to lock you up. You know, I'm going to be tough. Uh-huh. And I'm going to be mentally tough. And you're not going to rattle me. Right. Like, I used to talk a lot to people and get in people's heads because I was like, I'm from New York uh-huh. and I'm going to show you this toughness. And it's not just about me getting a bucket. It's about I take pride on the other end. And it's not a lot of people that do that. And I carved out a whole career. And I was like, it could be more Royal Ivies than anything right. because my mentality got me there. My mentality is everything. And that's everything. Like, that's your mindset. Right. That's that's New York. That is New York. And, and to be quiet. To, to be quite honest, I'm not very talented. <laughs> but my talent was that I could, I work hard, and, uh-huh. and working hard is a talent. Yeah. And I knew when I stepped on that court, nobody was going to outwork me. Mm-hmm. So that's how I made it. And then, and then from after your ten year career, again, I'm, anybody could do more than two years, three years in the league is to me is, a, is a, an impressive feat. You did ten, <clears throat> then you moved on to um, where you are now. For the most part, you started, you got, like you did the um, MBPA, top 100, you transitioned to the coaching work, to the coaching work. On that level, do you see any players that exemplify what you represented as a New York player coming up now, as far as a New York player? In New York? Yeah, New York. To be quite honest, I don't really know New York like that because... But that's a great, that's, that's great because, not great, the fact that you don't see New York like that on your level... Is that an indictment that New York is not producing the way we used to at one point? We're not. I was just with Alonzo Trini yesterday, and we were talking about that. He's from Seattle, Washington. Just look. Mm-hmm. Just look at the guys in the NBA that are having, like, look at Jamal Crawford's career. He played, what, 17, 17 18, yeah. 18 years. But just look at the talent we had back, you know, let's go a decade. Like, when I was in the league, you know, you had Smush, mm-hmm. you had L.O., mm-hmm. you had Rafer. You know, we had a lot of dudes. Like, we had a lot of dudes. You look Ron, Ron. Ron, 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 yes. Um, Marbury. Steph, yeah, Steph. I'm trying to think. Sebastian. Kenny Anderson, Sebastian. We had a, a we had a line of New York guys. Um, even guys, one or two, Chris Taft was in the league right. for a heartbeat. Um, um, McCullough was there for a McCullough, point. yeah. Um, now you look up, these guys can't. They had one or two years. It's like, who's from the, Tobias Harris is from Long Island, and that's my guy, but he's not a New York City guy. Like yeah, we got Danny and Tobias from Long Island. And they from Long Island. I'm talking about New York City from the five boroughs. Kimba, of course. Kimba, of course, holding it down. We got, uh, I did this the other day. Uh, we got Kimba, Donovan, which is upstate. He's upstate. Donovan don't count. Donovan. Donovan. He's not New York City. Uh, we got Kimba. We're going to claim him because he's nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm talking about New York City, like, New York City, like, it should Kimbo, be like that. Kimbo, Hami, Hami, Hami. 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 H
Oh, he's on the cusp right now. Right? But yeah. he's not. He's not guaranteed. Um, like you got to play a game first. Uh, yeah. Check the out. Check, yeah, check, but he, he was imported at the end. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about born and raised. You New York check from Africa. He came over here yeah, and he played. Hami, you say Hami and and, and Kemba. Kemba. That's it. Two New York City guys. Two thousand. It's 2019. So what's the problem? You tell me. I'm I'm just coming back. Yeah. I'm seeing it right now. To yeah. me, like at the end of the day. Is it the AAU system? Is it the high school system? Are kids not playing? They going to prep school? I don't know. Now, I can't be prep because you did prep. I did and you prep, still made it to the and league. And I'm a New York kid. But right. to me, I, I'm, I'm, I wanna, I'm, I, we need to do some research on this because Chicago's putting them out. Seattle's putting them out. Of course, California. Yeah. Like, we're supposed to be the Mecca. We got two guys. Kelly had, Kelly had, until Giannis got the MVP, they had the two last MVPs. And Harden and um and um Russ. And it's very disappointing to me because like we the Mecca, like this is the black top, like we we hone our skills on the black top, but I don't think we hone our skills on the black top because these guys ain't playing. We're not on the black top. Exactly. So that's that's a falsified statement. Right, right. Because now these these kids is entitled when you tell them like, oh, they're not good enough. They not. They just jump from another A. Right, right, they right. don't want to put in right. the work. So, to me, it's a disappointment. We got to backtrack and find out where's the missing link. Because mm-hmm. it's a missing link. Because mm-hmm. there's talent, but at the end of the day, I don't. I don't know why it's not moving forward. Like Isaiah Whitehead should still be in the league. Mm-hmm. Oh, Lance. Oh, Lance. Out. Lance, Lance is out now, right? Yeah. He's in China. He's in China. China, right? And I, I just don't get it. Like right. it's all these other these all these other cities and and, and, and and states that put out these NBA guys. Do you think that few are willing to do what you did as far as lower your um your be humble and 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 do the role that they supposed to do or do a role? I, I, because to me, in the NBA is you got mega stars. It's three tiers. You got mega stars. You got role players. Then you got the bottom friends. Right, right. I was a bottom feeder, mm-hmm. and I can say that. And at the end of the day, like, the bottom feeders want to be in the middle. The mm-hmm. middle guys want to be the superstar. Mm-hmm. But when you're at the bottom, like, you, you, you're on the cusp every year. Right. Like, year year. every year I had to go get a contract. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that's hard to do. So at the end of the day, like, some guys can't accept that. And they talk about they this guy or they better this guy, but they're not willing to put in the work mm-hmm. to get to the middle. I never was in the middle of the pack. I was at the cusp, but I just jumped around and I, I grinded enough to find to get another situation. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's what it is to me, guys. If if I'm trying to make an NBA roster, I'm, I'm gonna play summer league. Right. I'm gonna play. I'm gonna be at Gergerich camp. I'm mm-hmm. gonna do everything it takes to get another job and get the opportunity because it's all about the opportunity. Because these guys can play, but the NBA is all about opportunity. Yeah, gotta get your foot in the door. Right. Do you think that now, um, due to training, and I'm, I'm a, obviously I'm a trainer, that now it's a middle class game, meaning that people that can afford training are those that have more more disposable income. Well, well training to me is all new because when we're coming up, we didn't have park. trainers. We, you know, if, if me and me and Bell working out, we rebounding for each other. Mm-hmm. We playing ones. Mm-hmm. There was no trainer. It was you go to the gym, you get your shots out. You, you you do your little mic and drills, mm-hmm. 
you get a sweat, you stay in shape, and then you play. Right. That's how you get better. Right. It wasn't, all right, my trainer puts me through this workout, and he puts me, he says, all right, we're going to do the Lillard move, we're going to do this. To me, that's a facade, mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, in my situation, I'm, a never, I'm never getting a chance to play like that. Mm -hmm. So I'm fooling myself. Training, I think some of it, some of those guys are really taking advantage of the youth. I mean, to me, you, you hit it right. It's situational. Where is a coach going to put you? Where are you going to be in the game? If you're going to be in the corner, you should work on mastering catch-and-shoot threes. Yep. If, you're, if you're a catch-and-shoot guy coming off pin down, you should be, all right, We got you want to put cones? I'm going to have you come off of staggers. I'm going to have you come off of flares. I'm going to have you come off of floppies. And that's your game because you need to make this shot in the game. So that's how we're going to train. Right. So it should be all catered to... What, what you're doing in the game. game. Right. I, I think that some of the stuff they do is kind of... Because if I give you a thousand dribble moves, you're never going to be able to do that in the game. How many times you going to play one-on-one? -on -one? Only way you're going to play one-on-one -on -one if it's a hand grenade come to you is 5 4 3 2 one. <laughs> yeah, that's, right. it, that's it. You got to get rid of it. So I, that's to me. The, the whole training, we don't... These guys, these younger guys don't play anymore. We played the whole summer. That's how I got better. Because you I, didn't do too much AU. I play AAU. I play with the Gauchos. I play with Andre Barrett and those guys. I play, but we played. But play, you played, right. We played. It was like we practiced and we played. That's it. It wasn't no training. We, our workout was go get 500 shots. Mm -hmm. That's it. Your trainer, he got you doing all these this footwork stuff. And it, to me, I don't know. So, like, we, we got to do some more research on this training stuff. Now, we don't. It's kind of it's, it's effed up, to be honest with you. To be honest with you. Because um, some people... Aren't really doing like you said. They aren't doing what's going to help them for the game. So now you're in the NBA, and everybody has their guy. How, how does the NBA look at those guys when they walk in when they train? Come on, man, are you serious? Well, to be quite honest, like, I mean, some of the some of the guys are, some of them guys are good. Like, my guy Phil Beckner, he he's Damian Lillard's guy. I was just down down in Arizona with him, and he was working with uh, Alonzo Trier. He's really good, but he keeps it simple. It's, it, it's simplicity to the game. We, we make it too complicated. It's basketball. Like, how much, how many things can you do? Like, you got to master certain things. Your body posture, certain things. The way you position the ball, the way you catch it in the pocket, the way you put in the ball, the pounds. Certain things are detailed. Certain things, you can trim the fat. So I watched him and how he conducts a workout. It's pretty simple, but he's hitting on certain factors. He's working with Lily. He's working with a high-class guy, and his guy's pretty good. Okay, due to social media, he he doesn't get the respect that he deserves because he's one of. Because uh, he doesn't post. Because he doesn't. He's not the guy. He's not gonna post this stuff. He's not posting his runs. Right. All that. Like to me, that's just for me. That's clout. Clout change. Yeah. And and the social media platform. Is is a facade to me too because everybody's putting out what good things they're doing, but you don't put you don't put the bad things on social media. Right. Oh. Still, still Thank you. Good job. <laughs> good job. <laughs> you, don't the, you don't put the bad things. You just put the good things. Right. So like to me, that that's a facade. Like putting your workouts and. Oh, I have this guy and runs like I don't get that, and he doesn't do that. Yeah, he I know. Just, he's on Twitter. That's it. Yeah, he's on Twitter. He's, he's been heavy a lot on Twitter recently, um, because of, because of social media. But he's one of the best. 
Uh, I'm, not, I'm not, not cloud-chasing. He's one of the best. There's, there's a couple of them out there that's really, really good. Um, but for the most part, like you said, it's too much of that on the, on the gram and on, on, on mostly on the gram. Mostly the gram. So you, you're working with the Knicks now. How is that transition? Because you started with the West, with the um, Oklahoma City Blue. The Blue, right? The G League version of mm -hmm. um, OKC. How was that? Because you just came out. It's pretty good. I'm going in my fifth year coaching, and it just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to, you know, start my career in Oklahoma. I played there, and just to, to get the basis, like, you know, how do you, how do you trim, how do you cut film, how do you watch film, mm -hmm. you know, how do you put together your edit, you know, how do you do your workouts, you know, how do you run your drills, mm -hmm. like, they gave me all the nuances, you know, as a player, you know, and it was it was a lot, you know, and I'm glad I have that foundation that I learned how to work mm -hmm. and, and not depend on other people to do my work. Mm -hmm. Like the video guy doesn't have to cut my video because I know how to cut videos. Okay. Like, so I'm very self-sufficient. So I can go home and do a scout and not panic because my work is not done or I don't know how to do X, Y, and Z, and I'm dependent on people. So I'm thankful for that. That mm -hmm. whole situation. So you ran the whole gamut as far as what's expected with coach. Yeah, well, in G League, you got to do all that. In G League, you got to, you play development, you're the video guy, <laughs> you're the defensive coordinator, you, you're all Everything. those roles. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're the Uber. Mm -hmm. And you're driving people around. <laughs> so, like, you, and I got that in one year. You know, I moved up in one year, but at the end of the day, I'm thankful I got the opportunity to start that way because it allowed me to progress. You know, each year in, in my in my field, and like I was in Oklahoma, you know, with Russ and Kevin and all mm -hmm. those guys, playing with those guys and working with those guys, and it was definitely seeing how they worked and mm -hmm. working along with them and seeing what they didn't like and what they liked. Like that's definitely, I think I, I'm a, a, a head of the, the ball game, mm -hmm. just well, yeah. dealing with megastars, and then like having a relationship, playing with them, but then also holding those guys accountable, not being being afraid to tell them, like, yo, this is what it is. Mm -hmm. And it's okay. Like, mm -hmm. you know, confrontation is good. Mm -hmm. That's that's real in coaching. You need confrontation. So at the end of the day, I, I got it early in my career just dealing with those guys because I wasn't afraid to just say what I needed to say and so, move on. So now the transition from being on the court to behind the scenes, did, did you say, like, when you're behind the scenes, like, yo, I – I'll bust that dude's ass. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, you know what? In my first year, I, you know, I was just in the G League, uh -huh. just freshly finished playing. I had that mentality, uh -huh. but but now I'm a coach, uh -huh. and um, it's different. You can't really look at it like that because I never get an opportunity to get on the, the, the court. But we joke around, uh -huh. and you know what? I do get on the court with my players still to this day, and I call that sweat equity because guys entrusting you more when. You can get out there and show them things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know they have a respect factor when you can get out there and guard them a little bit and go at them a little bit, and you know it's fun. You know mm -hmm. you you bumping bodies and you know they turn up their juices yeah. a little bit more because they don't yeah they don't want to be embarrassed. Right. They're like yo, you haven't played in umpteen years, so as long as my body is functional and I'm able to move, I'm always get on the court. And I learned that from Mark Bryant. Uh -huh. He's 50-something years old. And he still gets on the court. You know, he 
he had a hip replacement and he was out and now he's back on the court. He's with he's with the Phoenix Suns right. now. So as long as, you know, these two feet are working and I'm in good graces by the creator, like I'm a I'm gonna be out there on on the court with my guy. Mark Bryant. Played hard, defensive um, presence, rebounded, did his role. Mo Cheeks, probably one of your biggest mentors, right? Um, one of them. Played, played his role, played with the, probably one of the greatest teams ever. Won a championship. Won a chip, played his role, was played defense. Yeah. Yep. And he would he would sit to me, he was like, I wasn't a star. I had Julius. Yeah, yeah and I passed the ball. And when I was open, he passed me and I made a shot. Yes. And that's, that's how I made my living. And I, he could defend. So to me, it's all about staying in your lane yeah. in the game of life. Like knowing your role and being a star in your role. And it might sound simple, but it is pretty simple to me. Like, And that's, that's where I hang my hat on, just staying in your lane. Uh -huh. And then trying to master whatever you do. Because in the league... Like I said, with the superstars, they get a they get a longer leash. But role players, they're like specialists. Mm -hmm. And if you if you can do one thing or a couple things really really well, you can play it for a long time. So that's that's what I did. Right. And it was something simple, but other people weren't doing it, so it made it look so easy. Like people don't go out like Pat Beverly. Mm -hmm. And all defense is effort. Mm -hmm. It's effort, and yet you got to be in shape. Yeah. And that's what he is. Yeah. And then he talks, and you know he's from Chicago, so it's like, boom, 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 and look at him. Yeah. He just signed a deal for forty million dollars. Forty million dollars. And he was playing over in Israel. He like, didn't come straight into like, like they, four years ago, right? They, five years ago. Five, six years ago. Yeah. They cut him with the Miami. It was funny because when we was playing them, he was always he was talking to Fizz because Fizz was in Miami mm -hmm. at the time. He was like, "Why y'all cut me?" Uh -huh. Why y'all cut me? Like he kept on asking that question. Like you know, he you know he's a pest, like, uh -huh. but he's got a dog mentality. So that's crazy. That's what's up. Now, um, your time. Then you went from Oak to, to Blue to to um, where? To Oklahoma City. They moved me up. Oh. I played development for a year, and then I moved up to assistant coach the following year, and then I was there another year for assistant coach, and then I moved to uh, New York. David Fisdale brought me to New York. How was that? Huh. It was, it was surreal because just getting that phone call, you know. He's like, I'm from New home. York. I mean, I, I was in my last year in my deal, and just like Katie just left, and, you know, Russ was MVP. You know, we had a pretty good year, and I was, I was comfortable in my situation, mm -hmm. but I felt like I, I needed more of a... Not a, more of a challenge, challenge yeah. yeah, yeah, just more of an opportunity. So, Fist, he told me he was gonna come and get me when he was in Memphis, like, and he was a man of his words. And he was actually my player development coach in Atlanta, so we had a relationship. Uh -huh. And I got a phone call. It's funny because I was in New York City and I was I was dying for Mother's Day, and I was upstairs on the balcony, and he called me. He was like, he was like. Everybody calls me Smoke. So mm -hmm. like, Smoke. He was like, it's Fizz. What's up, Fizz? He was like, um, I'm going to call you back like in a couple of days. Uh -huh. Like, why, why would you call me now? Like, right. <laughs> Tell me now. So he called me back, and I was sitting on this couch, and he's like, um, he said, I got an opportunity for you to come back home. What you think? Mm -hmm. And I was like, 
man, what you think I think? <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, listen, man, it's not on the front of the bench, it's behind the bench, sitting behind me, but, you know, if the, if the opportunity comes up where, you know, you can move and progress, you can move and progress, but I was like, man, I can't turn this down, Word. so, you know, they called and asked for permission, and I interviewed and I got the job, and it was like so surreal being coming back home, you mm -hmm. know, you know, coaching from for the New York Knicks, my home team. Like I played there in high school, we won a city championship. The championship yeah. I'm not gonna be modest. I got the MVP. Uh -huh. <laughs> College, I played there many a times. We played against Duke. That was my second, my third game in freshman year. I ended up starting. I got the second longest starting um, position. No, yeah, well, I, I had the second, I had the first, and then Damian J James beat me out for the longest. Game oh, street, started street, street, uh -huh. at Texas. Uh -huh. And it started with the, at, the uh, at the garden against Duke. We were down by like 15, 20 through all the freshmen, and we just, just was hooping. So uh -huh. started the next game, and then from there, it's, it's a wrap. And then played there as a pro. So, like, it's just so surreal, like, just to get a chance to play. And now you coaching it. I, I, I go there. It's like a dream I'm living. It still hasn't hit me. And uh -huh. I'm going in my second year. Like, I walk in that building every day. And I'm just I'm thankful because I'm like, I could never, like, I couldn't, I couldn't paint this picture. Right, right, right. Now, you're probably, and we talked about off camera, but New York coaches, we talked about the players not really getting on the court as much on the NBA level. But now coaches, we have, how many NBA coaches do you know off the top of your head that's, from New York, from the city, from the city. Yeah. We could talk about the city. Yeah, that's yeah, 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 city. Nah, I don't, I don't know many. I don't think people they they don't give back to the game, and I and I think coaching is giving back mm -hmm. because this change, this basketball is taking me all over the world. It's changed my life. It's shown me stuff. It's it's brought me friendships like that I could never describe. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, like this is how I give back by empowering guys, by encouraging guys, by investing time into guys, not just on the court, but off the court. So that's my mindset. Like, mm -hmm. that's that's why I do it. I, I love my job. Like, mm -hmm. I get up every day and I'm like, yo, I'm going to coach, but I'm, uh, this is basketball. So I'm excited. And my approach is, it's all about my energy. Mm -hmm. So my energy is consistent, but my energy is always one way, like it's upbeat, it's positive. So that's how I look at it. Like it, it's it's surreal to me. Like guys play the game, but they don't give back to the game. They want to take, mm -hmm. and I feel like the game has gave me so much. So this is how I give back to the game. So you've come full circle now. Yeah, it's not it's not, done, it's not done. It's yet. not done, but, but life is a full, full circle. circle. Yeah, for sure. Like you know, you you take you take so much, but when do you get mm -hmm. like? I just finished my clinic with about a hundred kids in right. my neighborhood, and it's about giving because I've been put in a situation, and that's what the Creator has, you know, bestowed on my heart. Like, you've been given this opportunity and this platform, you must do something. Mm -hmm. So, I gotta give, but I gotta do more, mm -hmm. and that's my mindset. You gotta do more. So, which is a great segue to the next thing I want to bring up. Um, even though you were a professional. You still had a, a freak camp in your in, in your neighborhood. 
the whole time. For the most part, maybe like 11 years? Yeah. 11 years, right? This is, yeah. This is the 11th? Mm-hmm. So you've been coming back on the sum, every year for the su- in the summers to give like a free free clinic to the kids. How how, how has that been going so far? And, and that's part of your give back mantra? Yes, it's definitely because, you know, my parents have have taught me like, you know, just humility. Like, mm-hmm. I've been cultured. I've seen a lot coming up. I've been blessed to, have, you know, have my grandparents in my life. So I know there's a lot of unfortunate people in this life, so, in this world. So I feel like I'm fortunate. So I need to do as much as I can do while I'm here. Mm-hmm. Not about my legacy. It's about my intentions. My intentions is good, to do good by people, you know. To show people that it's kindness, it's love in this world. Mm-hmm. Because there's so much crazy stuff that's going on in this world today that we, we shed so much light on the, the negativity. Right. And we, we're so pessimistic about things. We're not optimistic. optimistic. So I'm trying to give these guys a little glimmer of hope or a little shine. Like, I'm a kid from their neighborhood and I made it. Right. And as long as I'm here, I'm going to give back to you, whether it's one day, whether it's three days, whether it's a week, but I'm going to try to be as consistent so you can rely on me and somebody else can pick up when when my mom, when my time is done, mm-hmm. somebody else should be mm-hmm. able to pick up because I showed them the way. Right. So that's that's why I do it, you know, and it's, it's joyous for, for people to say thank you and the people that, to know, like, you know, that they look forward to this every mm-hmm. year. Like, I didn't do it last year because we transitioned from moving to Oklahoma and it was just a lot. But, you know, my mindset was like, I have to do it mm-hmm. because people are relying on me. Mm-hmm. So that's just something small, you know, and it's just like not forgetting where you come from. I come from Hollis, Queens. So, like, you know, like when I'm walking around the neighborhoods, you know, my neighbor, Brian, he he wearing my shirt. Mm-hmm. Little kids in the street, they wear my shirt during the summer, and I, it feels good. And the kids, you know, when you walk in the neighborhood, they acknowledge, they know who you are, and that 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 means more to me than anything. Like just that, you know, I could walk in my neighborhood and 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 be okay, mm-hmm. and not have to worry about like somebody trying to rob me, right, or somebody right. trying to you know right. do like, nah, do harm. Good. Nah, good. like I get a pass yeah. because. I take care of my, I feed my community. That's how I feed my community every day, mm-hmm. every every year. So, you know. No, I, I think that's dope, and I think that's what's missing. I'm sure in other cities, I can't speak about other cities, but New York is that they don't have the opportunity to touch, quote, unquote, an NBA person that that's came from New York, that came from where they came from. I, uh, I would love to have seen, you know, I'm not gonna name names, but certain players come back and yeah. give to their community that and, made them. And other other people do. I know Hami has his yeah, day. Yeah, a great thing over here. Taj Gibson does stuff, and you know, like you know, they're still active players. But you know, Kenny A had his tournament. Yeah. And, you know, Rod Rod is doing Rod, stuff with Kyrie. Kyrie right. You know, and and it's an influx, but like it's about being consistent because. You know, as a player, it's easy to do it. You have the monetary flow. But, like, when you're not a player, how do you identify yourself right, with right, your community? Right. Because I'm no longer a player, but I'm still in basketball. So how do you identify? 
And I give kudos to those guys because those guys, like, they put on, you know, it's a, it's a big, it's a big show, and it takes a lot of willpower, a lot of time. Right. And we need more guys doing that. I agree. We need more guys giving them themselves, you know, whether it's a day Isaiah Whitehead does it, yep. does it. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And I say kudos to those guys, and I pat them on the back. We need more people doing it, you know, because these kids, they need outlets. Right. They don't have, there's no more PALs. There's no more recreational centers, right. especially in Queens, you right. know? Like, so we need to do more. Damn, you're right. Yeah, PAL is done. What, what rec centers, what, where do kids have to go? Like, that's my main goal. Like, that's me saying I, we need to do more. Like, I started up my 501c3, and, you know, LL Cool J is doing stuff. But we need recreational centers right. where guys have a, a place to go. Right place to do their homework, place to hang out. Right. Man. They're not just chilling at the park on Hollis Ave. Right. Like, you know what I'm saying? Because that ain't where the, it, it, you know, they could be playing basketball, but it's so much other oh, stuff, stuff going on. on. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right, absolutely right. And back in the day, like you mentioned, the basketball players got a pass, but now lines are blurred now. Lines are blurred in the hood. It's so chaotic, man, because the basketball players is trying to be the rappers, right, you know, right. like, and it's just, we live in different times. Right. And it's like... They need a safe haven to go somewhere. You need a safe haven where nobody else is mixing and mingling. Nobody else is hanging out. Nobody else is like, this is where you go to hone your craft. Right. You know, like... And guys don't go to the park no more. Because I used to go to Jamaica Park and uh -huh. play uh -huh. every, you know, uh -huh. every day, like, after school. So at the end of the day, like, the park was cool, but the park isn't cool because... You, you can't get a run. You right. can't go up there and find... We used to go up there and it'd be like 15, 20 kids playing now. Now, I don't know. Like, I ride no. by the parks and the parks are, are dead desolate. Empty. They're dead empty. So, like, the park used to be the way because you know there's a park everywhere, but it, that's not the way. So how do how do we, we change the narrative? I'm telling myself, okay, I, I, did, my, I did my event. It was a success. So how do I cultivate something else and the winner? Yeah. Like that's my next challenge. Like yeah. how do I cultivate something for these kids in the wintertime? Whether yeah. it's one or two day, whether I don't I don't even know. Whether I just say, hey, we let's go to the movies or something. Like giving them just something so some kind of consistency right, right. while I'm here. Yeah, that's a good idea. I don't I don't the You would still want it to be basketball related though, right? Or just be around. It could be, I mean, going to a game is basketball related, yeah. like a field trip. Yeah. Like I'm taking 20 kids out of, 50 kids out of the community and they come to, or even coming to the practice. Yeah. So I'm going to sit down with my coach and say, I got about 30 kids out, 40 kids out of my community. I want them to sit down and come watch a practice. That'd be dope. How can we do that? That'd be dope. Or... When we have the open scrimmage, how can I cultivate getting a van? Because then it's the transportation. How can I cultivate getting these 40 kids from here, point A in Queens, right. to the garden right. without taking public transportation? Yeah, you don't want 40 kids on the Yeah, railroad. yeah, yeah. So, like, something like that because it's dealing with basketball. But it's, you know what I mean? Like, that, 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 that idea just popped up, though. But that's, like, realistic because the open – the open practice, right. they don't even know. That's free. Yeah. They don't even know about that. You know what I'm saying? So, like, how can we get a 
a van and take a hundred people maybe right, because right. it's free. It's free, right? Right. Let's flood the market. Let's flood yeah. the market stands. Let's get a bus. Let's get a couple buses. Like get a buses for a couple hours. Mm -hmm. I'll pay the, the tab, whatever, and then we get them and they get to meet the players afterwards. That's fine. That's you something that stays with them throughout. Yeah, but people are not inclined to this information because like my mom, we had, so we, we teach life skills. So she has, she gives awards for poems. Mm -hmm. Like, so basically the theme was, how do you get smart? Mm -hmm. So she, she asked all the kids and you know, they gave, you know, prototypical answers. Like, you know, read more. That, that uh, yeah, yeah. But they didn't say read. And that was the main thing. These kids are not reading because they go on Instagram or they, they go on the YouTube and they don't watch games. Right, right. They go watch highlights. Yeah. And they and and that's how they get the information instead of watching a game and seeing the intricate, the first quarter, seeing the climax of the game, how the game turns, right. like the high points, the low points, the runs. Like mm -hmm. they don't understand how a game is developed, right. or how the flow of a game is, or like why this happened, or why this team won, or. You know, like, how did this team beat this team? Mm -hmm. They just look at highlights. Mm -hmm. You watch ESPN, it just shows you highlights. Mm -hmm. But, like... So they didn't say reading. reading. So what did they say? They said prototypical answers, like, you know, study, you know. But you need to read. Yeah, read. Right. Because you need knowledge. You need right. information. You need to, to be able to regurgitate information mm -hmm. and then spit it back out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that's I I've never been around a camp where they had something like that where they had um uh, ask a question and create like a poem or something. Well, yeah, it was an assignment, and then you know some kids didn't come back because they were just caught up with the basketball right. aspect. So next year, if you don't pan in the poem, you can't play. Uh -huh. If you don't come on your poem, you can't play. That's fine, but I think that's something that we have we particularly on a grassroots level must do to get these young men and young women to get more academically sound and then start thinking for long-term stuff. Yeah, because you gotta have an end goal. We all have dreams, like my one of my dreams is playing the NBA, but at the end of the day, like, the NBA is short-lived. Like, I played a decade and I'm still a young man, you know? So, at the end of the day, like, what do I do with the rest of my life, mm -hmm. you know? Like, if you're not making buku money like those, the guys at the high, the high end, you still gotta make this money work for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. So like, you still gotta work in some capacity. Right. So like, they don't understand that. Even if you make it like, some guy, if you make it one year, two years, like that's not gonna set you up for life. life. Right, 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 right. So we, they, they don't educate themselves or they don't know enough knowledge, they don't read about, well listen, even if I make it like, I still gotta, have my, my, my career spent over a certain amount of years to be okay. Uh -huh. So we, we need to educate these kids about like what it all what, what's it about being a professional athlete because they see the glitz of the first tier guys. Mm -hmm. They don't know the, the second and the third tier guys what they have to endure. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. They're gonna get brave now. NCA is is it's gonna be it's gonna be it's trouble because now RJ Hampton going to Australia that league, yeah. Melo, you know, Melo, Melo going to Australia like the kids is getting smart and if you know if I have a son one day like and he's good enough why go why go 
they saying they rewarded me with a scholarship, but I made that 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 school so much money. Right, right. When we was at Texas, man, we weren't known for a basketball school. Yeah. We, that, we was a football school. We had that gym packed out all the time uh-huh. because we was good and we were entertainment and people want to see us play. Who's the best player from New York that you've ever played against? Oh, man. The best player I ever played against from New York City. That's a great question. I mean, Best player I ever played in. Not to come back to that one. That's a good one. It's yeah, because it's a lot, man. Like to me, like I mean, Andre, old cooking those guys, sat like those guys to me, like those was like the best guard. Cause I will always say, yo, I'm from New York, and at the time they were the three headed monster, Talib, Andre, and um, oh, and oh, and. Them dudes all made McDonald's all American. And like, the city was on 10 because we had those, those mm-hmm. guys. Mm-hmm. And at that point, where, you know, being in high school, yeah, those were probably the best guys. I played against them and I played with them. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So just, I think they kind of pushed me because I was always in pursuit of like, I'm not, you know. I could compete with them, but I wasn't on their level at right. the time. You know what I'm saying? Right. I wasn't on their level, but I was able to get on the court with them. Like, you know, I could compete with them, but that wasn't as good. Mm-hmm. So, like, to me, I would put all three of them in that, that, that category. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's high school. What about college? You, you face any college? Yeah, you yeah. College? Should I play the best college player I played against? Man. It's a lot, like. Shoot, I would have to guard one of the best ones in practice, TJ Ford. He's on my team. Hollis Price gave me fits. He gave me fits a lot of time. The toughest kind of You call Mello? Mello, yeah. <laughs> Mello get... On oh, the right, chip, right? Yeah, and Final Four. Nobody gave me 30 in college, but Mello. Mello had his career high on me. He had 31 or 33. But me. you guarded him or... I, I caught about, like... Maybe like twenty something of them. Ooh, yeah, he got. It. <laughs> yeah, and, and the crazy thing, but that was Mellow though, because we playing them, and he's a freshman. I'm a junior at the time, and I'm talking hella smack to uh-huh. him. I'm talking smack like, yeah, I'm at you, kid. Like uh-huh. all this, da da da, and he did not say a word. <laughs> he smiled the whole game, like, and just got bucket after bucket after bucket. <laughs> It was like the craziest thing because usually when I talk to dudes, like, going. I rattle them. Like, you know, I get them or like just get them out of their game or like. Down a sweet on the baseline. Ivy now ahead of the pack has Mouton with him. Takes him right at the hole. I like him. I'll tell you. Ivy, I'll tell you, he is solid. First junior college players who was going to Oklahoma State, he was uh-huh. playing with Shane Gasson. Uh-huh. And, you know, we were like, we were playing. And he was like, yeah, Ivy, I'm, I'm coming at you. And I'm like, who this cat? Like, uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Like, And we, we started drawing back, and that's how, like, it's always respect to this day because, uh-huh. you know, you know how we used to go out there in college. Uh-huh. But, like, you know, he from Chicago, so he was, like, talking, you know, he had that swag, you know. Uh-huh. Mellow from B-more, like, he was just so, so chill with it. 
and he just killed me. Uh-huh. And it was funny because when I when I got a chance to coach him, like we laughed about Hold it. up, hold up, hold up. That must be like surreal, surreal. Yeah. That is. must be crazy, crazy. Like you go from being a player with somebody and us because that, he's he's a mega. He's a mega, he a mega star. He's a mega star. To now culture. How's that conversation? Because you didn't do this right? <laughs> nah, I, I, you don't, I mean, you don't, I pick, I, I pick guys' brains at that age. I mean, just. At that level. At right. that level. Right. Um, just, how do you see the game? Right. What would you do? Or like, how? what coverage would you do? Mm-hmm. Like, when I'm doing my scouts, how do you want to guard it? Mm-hmm. Because. Because they know the play just like you know the play. Yeah, because I've been there. I've been in their sit your shoes. Like, like, you know, I know what it feels like to. To, to be in a situation and a coach might say, yo, we need to do it this way. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's no right or wrong way. Like you could do it. You could skin a cat a thousand get ways, it done. but just get it done. Get exactly. It done. So to me, like, like I always ask for the player's input mm-hmm. because they, they play these guys so many times. So they, they know their weaknesses. Mm-hmm. They know their strengths. Trying to, but it goes into Ivy. Boy, I asked to bring it up. Eight seconds to go. Got to hurry, Craig. Boy, out on the right side. Five seconds. Four. Drive to the left baseline. Pulls up. Jumper with two seconds. Do you think you'd become a um, college coach at any point? I thought about it. I mean, if the opportunity presented itself, I would. My dream job would be to coach my alma mater, Texas, or even the St. John's job. Because I wanted to go to St. John's, and they didn't recruit me. They actually signed Willie Shaw. I remember. But he was a three, though. Yeah, but they, I don't know. That, that was Mike Jarvis, right? Yeah, and the Clark, me and the, true story, me and the Clark went and sat in front of Mike Jarvis and said, this kid wants to come to school. And C.M. Hall just kind of, like, got on the, the wagon, like, you know, at the end. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to go to St. John's. And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah. And they watched me in the garden and all that. And then Budge. Right. Yep, so it was just like, well, Thank you, because it, it, it probably wouldn't have worked out. But I'm glad I ended up where I was at. So, so you want to, you, so you would like to go back to Texas and be a coach, or St. John? I mean, Texas definitely my my dream job. Just St. John being in New York, New York right. and helping it get to that level because it's been they've been down for so long. Mm-hmm. But definitely Texas because I'm forever indebted to University of Texas for. Uh, you know, how it shaped my life and my career and all that. So, and I want to see them get to back to where we have. What's next for you, though? I, since you, college is not an option right now, you're still with the Knicks. What's going to happen with the Knicks? Is not, we're not going to pre- forecast what they're going to no. do, but like, <laughs> like career-wise with you. I mean, I'm just day, I'm day-to-day, like, trying to get better, um, just trying to hone my skills. And just be, just prepare myself for the next opportunity that I'm given. That that's all I can, you know, dream for. I gotta stay in the moment. It's the reason why I'm going through these steps. It's the reason why I've gone through what I've gone through in the coaching situation. So uh, I'm just taking a day, just day to day, and like 
my end goal, hopefully I do become a head coach, but I just want to be ready when the time comes. So that's my end goal. Like, that's my end goal and just getting better every day and just investing my time into these players and and just just loving the game, man, because it's basketball, man. Like, who would have thought, like, basketball could do so many things for you? You know what I mean? Like, we don't we don't look at it like when we all when that's all said and done. I want to be able to say, yo, I've been X Y did this because of that round, that round, rubber ball. That's crazy, right? Yeah, like <laughs> you're shooting a hoop. Like it's so crazy to me. Like we don't. I don't have a nine to five. Like mm-hmm. I coach basketball, so like it's not a job. Like this is my life on passion. So like. My end goal, I don't think I have an end goal. When I decide to put it down, that's my end goal. Mm-hmm. When I retire, that's my end goal. So I'm going to just keep on striving and trying to get better and just trying to push the culture. I appreciate it. You know, but, um, somebody that's coming from the grassroots all the way to the top, like I said earlier, you're probably one of the few NBA guys from New York, and I think that's we need to see more of you, more views on, on, on that level. And the fact that you got your degree wasn't necessarily ranked as high as you should have been. Ten years in the league, and that's a tribute to your work ethic in New York. Made you who you are. Definitely. Um, my whole thing is this is what I want to say. Like we all have, we all have choices. We all have decisions, and in a game of life, like you are able to design your own life, and we we always have these stipulations or. This person's doing this, this person's doing that, this person's holding me back. That's an opportunity to work a little bit harder. Or look at yourself and say, what can I do to be better? Mm -hmm. So you manifest your own destiny. Mm -hmm. Your thoughts, your energy, your aura, your, your, your everything, like the way you treat people, that all counts, Mm -hmm. you know, that all counts. Like, I don't want to work with people that don't have good energy right. or that that uh excuse my language asshole mm-hmm. so I mean that's what that's that's my message like treat people how the way you want to treat people but it all comes back to you at the end so calm, 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 calm is calm. everything so love is love too we need to love each other more and I love I, I love my people man. I, I, and I try to tell them all the time because we on we on borrowed time it's temporary you know, it was bittersweet because I was down there coaching and, you know, I was helping out the young guys and hope, helping out Coach Barnes. And, you know, KD came down for a couple of trips and uh, it was just great, you know, and I have so much more respect for, the, you know, Scotty Brooks and the coaching staff because I know what they go through on a day-to-day basis. And, um, you know, just working with young guys is, is not the easiest thing. And um, But um, I'm, I'm glad I got that under my belt and uh, now it's back to work. We have the Mackinac Podcast. Well, I'm with um, somebody that I have a – Great deal of respect for it, man. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me. Thank you.